Aloha keakua. Welcome to the second Sunday in Lent. I want to start today with the words of Walt Wangren Jr. These are the words that are at the front part of our worship folder. The disciples approached the resurrection from their bereavement. For them, the death was first, and the death was all. Easter then was an explosion of newness, a marvelous splitting of heaven indeed. But for us, who returned backward into the past, the resurrection comes first, and through it we view a death which is therefore less consuming, less horrible, even less real. We miss the disciples' terrible, wonderful preparation. And thus, as now, we attend to the suffering first, to the cross with the sincerest pity and vigilant love, to the dying with the most faithful care, and thus prepare for joy. Jesus, come again. You need never suffer again. That was done once and for all. But come and remind me of the suffering, so that I recall and regain the pure joy of your rising after all. Amen. We're going to spend some time with Jesus, and we do, I know, every week. But this week, we're going to take a look at what Jesus is talking about when he says, I've got to go to the cross. But on the other side, you're fully going to understand everything. Well, we don't fully always understand everything, but we do understand it far better because we know that he had to die. And as a result, our sins are forgiven. And now we're reconnected as a family with God. And the most important words are that God loves us. And when we get to the other side of the resurrection, now comes the question, what are we going to do with this new life? We don't need to be afraid of dying anymore. And so we need to figure out what that means and live life to the fullest. We make our beginning this day as we do every day of our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The 86th Psalm. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seek my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is the word of our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Let us then confess our sins unto God our Heavenly Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and it is for his sake that God has forgiven us all of our sins. To those who believe in his name, he gives power to become the children of God and bestows on us his Holy Spirit. As a called and ordained servant to the word, I announce his grace, his mercy, his peace, his love, and his forgiveness to each and every one of you. Go in that beautiful promise of God and live for our Lord in gladness. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, teach us how to live. Teach us that we not only not, don't need to be afraid of sin, but because of Jesus, we also do not be afraid of death. Instill within us a life that is overflowing, a life that is, well, lived because of the resurrection and the promise of eternal life in heaven with you. Allow all fears to be cast aside. Perfect love casts out fear. And so we pray that you would teach us to love you with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. And until we are able to do that, encourage us and strengthen us, even as we love you with only part of our heart and soul and mind and strength. All of this we pray in the powerful and precious name of Jesus who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let's hear from God's holy word. The Old Testament lesson for this, the second Sunday in Lent, is from Genesis 12th chapter, beginning at the first verse. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went to the as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people he had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem, at the oak of Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him, from there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. He built an altar to Yahweh there, and he called on the name of Yahweh. 
Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. This is the word of our Lord. Second lesson is from Romans, the fourth chapter, beginning at the first verse. What then can we say that Abraham, our physical ancestor, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to brag about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, to the one who works, pay is not considered as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him, who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the man God credits righteousness to apart from works. How joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How joyful is the one the Lord will never charge with sin. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise is canceled. For the law produces wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all in God's sight. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He believed in God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. This is the word of our Lord. You might be the wife waiting up at night. You might be the man struggling to provide, feeling like it's hopeless. Maybe you're the son who chose a broken road. Maybe you're the girl thinking you'll end up alone. Praying, God, can you hear me?
gospel is from St. John, third chapter, beginning at the first verse. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs that you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus asked him, but how can one be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and get reborn? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus? Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied? I assure you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about these things that happen on earth and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about things of heaven? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who ascended, descended from heaven. The Son of Man, just as Moses lift up did the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to our children's message for this second Sunday of Lent. We're walking in the path of Jesus to the cross as we get closer to Good Friday and to the joy of Easter. Do you see our next set of footprints? They're right here on the bottom of the altar. And we're going to meet another character from the Bible here. Last week, we met Adam and Eve at the tree. Today, we meet Abraham at the altar. Abraham was a friend of God. 
And God made him some really, really big promises. He said that Abram's family would be as big as a nation. He said that the whole world would be blessed through him, that he would be the father of many and have a huge family. What amazing big promises. And when God made those promises to Abraham, Abraham built an altar. Maybe it was like this one here in our sanctuary. He built an altar because he wanted to remember God's promises and he wanted to remember his friendship with God. Let's see what Abraham might have said from our Friends with God Story Bible. I think there's something really interesting about God's promises. They often come when we least expect it. Just when everything seems hopeless, God comes through with a promise to take care of us. That's what friends do. I should know because people call me friend of God. God is your friend too. Pay attention to God's word and hear his many promises to you. The biggest one of all is that God will always love you. Have you ever made a promise to someone? What was it? Was it easy or hard to keep? When God makes a promise, he always keeps it. When we come to our altar, boys and girls, we can remember God's promises and his friendship too. Every other Sunday here in person, we share a meal, the Lord's Supper. We receive God's body and blood, bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins. And we celebrate that we're friends with God. We're a part of his family. He loves us and our sins are forgiven. We meet Abraham at the altar. He made an altar to remember God's promises. And when we come to our altar, we can remember God's promises too. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 6.17 a.m. That's Hawaii Standard Time. Uh, that's when the sun will rise on April 9th, which happens to be Easter Sunday this year. In 2024, it's going to be uh, 6.24 a.m. It'll be 6.08 a.m. in 2025, 6.28 a.m. in 2027. Earliest possible day for Ash Wednesday happens to be February 4th. Last possible date is March 10th. Why? Because the date for Easter follows the Passover, which begins on the 15th day of Nisan and ends on the 21st day. The month of Nisan on the Jewish calendar comes from Exodus 12. This is where God told Moses, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Nisan is also the first month of the season of Aviv, which translate as barley ripening. We just call it spring. And all those dates, all of them are set according to the lunar calendar, which is why the date for Ash Wednesday and Easter change. So if we actually want to have a real sunrise service on Easter, 
we're going to have to have it on a different day and at a different time every single year. Passover, the powerful story told in Exodus of God redeeming His people, is full of rich mystery and tradition. An angel of death, a sacrificial lamb, leaven, matzah bread, horseradish, apples, honey, cups of wine, and feathers, they all tell of God's loving rescue of His people. And they're a reminder that God isn't done rescuing them yet. In Exodus 13, God says, let this serve as a sign for you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead so that the Lord's instruction may be in your mouth. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. Keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. If my friend Rob Wertheim from Jews for Jesus were here, he would show us how every single part of the Seder meal spoke clearly and loudly of this Jesus, the, the Messiah who was going to come to take away the sins of the world and, and to save us. And by the way, he, his salvation was going to last forever. You're not going to find the word Lent in the Bible, but you are going to find a lot of places where God's people would sing, pray, think, and talk for either 40 days or 40 years. Uh, 40 is a big number for God. Why? We're not exactly sure. 40 lashes, 40 years of wandering in the desert, 40 days of Moses sitting on Mount Sinai, 40 days of rain. We do know every time God does something for 40 days, it is for a reason. It's to make a point. It's a time of testing, of learning, of introspection, of discipline. And you are a different person on the 40th day or at the end of the 40 years than you were on the first day. We started Lent with ashes on our forehead and a holy meal of bread and wine in our stomachs. Ashes are a sign of humble repentance. Uh, we find ashes, by the way, uh, among other places in Jonah 3, Job 42, Daniel 9, verse 3, 2 Samuel 1, Matthew 11, Luke 10. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From dust we came and to dust we shall return, the pastor says at funerals. One of the last words spoken before the body, the casket is lowered into the ground. It's a reminder of the one thing that we all have in common. We are all going to die. But for those of us gathered around the cross in the empty tomb, the pastor adds, but not without the sure and the certain hope of the resurrection from the dead that we have through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last week I said that Lent proclaims that we do not need to be afraid of sin because of Jesus. This week, Lent proclaims that we do not need to be afraid of death because of Jesus. The ashes declare we are sinners in desperate need of salvation, a confession that our sin is not only against our neighbors, but ultimately and finally against God. The ashes proclaim that without God, we are spiritually dead, no matter how alive we may feel, no matter how old we may be. The ashes serve as a tangible reminder of our failure to love God as much as He loves us. And it is those last words that give us hope. No matter how sinful and dead and obstinate and rebellious we may be, God does love us. At the Council of Nicaea, the same one where we got the Nicene Creed, um, they also decreed that Easter would be celebrated on the first Sunday after the first full moon of the spring equinox. They kept it perfectly aligned with Passover. Unlike Christmas, where we really aren't sure about the exact date because all we have is a celestial event to try to figure it out, if we knew what year Jesus was crucified, we would know the exact date of the first Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Now, most historians and theologians narrow the possible years down to 27 through 30 AD, which would mean that if it was in those years, 
then Easter would have been either April 9th, March 29th, April 17th, or April 6th. Now, it might surprise you, given today's focus, that Christmas wasn't such a big thing for the first 300 years of the church. In fact, Christmas wasn't even celebrated. First recorded Christmas worship service comes in 336 A.D. Now, think about that. That's literally 300 years after Jesus went back to heaven. In those days, birthdays were rarely noted or celebrated. Uh, yeah, the mortality rate among children was just far too great. But people dying, that was a whole different matter. Everybody knew those dates. Here's where we go down the rabbit hole a little ways. Have you ever walked through a cemetery? Every time that I am honored to do a funeral, either at Punchbowl or State Veterans Cemetery, I always take time after the service to walk among the graves, giving thanks for those who paid the ultimate price for my freedom and for this nation. You know, when I look at their tombstones, most of them have two dates, the day the person was born and the day the person died. There are a few that only have one date and far too many that don't have any dates and just say unknown. It's a peculiar thing that we are so confined by those dates on our headstone. I don't know who the first person was to put a name and a date on one, but I do know that it wasn't until the 1600s that headstones became popular among common people like me. Before that, it was just the rich and the powerful, and they used to make these huge places. I mean, it was amazing to see some of these. So what do you think we are trying to say when we put our birth date and our death date on the headstone. If you study the early church, and by the way, the best way to do that is to read the book of Acts and, of course, the letters of Peter and Paul, you discover when Jesus rose from the dead, it was a really big deal. So much so, the Christian church changed the official day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Now, Saturday was the day that was established at the creation of the world. It was the Sabbath. You know, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? But now they moved it to Sunday, which is the first day of the week, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The symbolism here is rich. From the last day of the week to the first day of the week, we're worshiping because we've got a whole new life in front of us. Now, if you have tried to do the math for Lent and counted beyond 40 days, don't worry. Your math is still good. It's because Sundays are about resurrection and celebration in life, even during Lent. So Lent is 40 days plus five Sundays. And the Sundays are many Easter's, which is why if one of us slips up and sings or says the A word, or we get a smile on our face during a joke in the sermon, or we find our toes tapping to the music, it's okay. Jesus' tombstone, you see, has three dates. It has a birth date, it has a death date, and then it has a resurrected from the dead date because he's not dead anymore. And Jesus said, if we believe in him, we'll also have three dates on our tombstone as well. And that's what gives us the ability to look past Lent and say, yeah, we know we need to think seriously about this, but we know Easter's coming. Sunday worship celebrates the Easter resurrection every week. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea if the pastor's first words were, hey, we don't have to be afraid of death anymore because of Jesus. I need that to soak in for a minute. I know that none of us are in a hurry to die, but often we get so caught up in trying not to die that we forget how to live. There's a lot more to life than just not dying. 
For the first hundred years of the church's existence, there were a lot more not-Christians than Christians. And in spite of the persecution and martyrdom uh, that many Christians were enduring, the church was growing. And I don't just mean a little. I mean the church was really growing. Why? Because the only real thing the church can offer people is Jesus. But along with Jesus, you get eternal life and heaven and forgiveness and hope and love and peace and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. So even though the only thing we have to offer is Jesus, it really is a big deal. We might use coffee or youth ministry or potlucks or music or air conditioning to get you in the door, but, but that's only so that we can introduce you to Jesus. Nothing else we offer, nothing else we have can make an eternal difference in your life. I might be able to stop your stomach from growling by giving you a donut, or let you sing your favorite hymn, or go for a hike, or go on a double-decker bus ride through um, Honolulu City Lights after a meal at Spaghetti Factory. Although those are great, but they're not going to help you solve the whole dying thing, which is why Jesus is so important. Back in the early years of the church, Easter was when people got baptized. We might have a sunrose service, but it was nothing compared to theirs. They spent 40 days getting ready to be baptized. The pastor went through the Bible, and, and he made sure that they all understand everything about the life and the love and, and the story of Jesus. And then they would get together on the Holy Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. They would spend the whole day and night together as a community, praying and worshiping. And then right before the sunrise... Right before the sunrise, they would all step into the water. And the pastor would speak those words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as they came out of the water, the first thing they would see would be the sun rising in all of its glory. Then they would come out and they would be covered head to toe with olive oil, which would seal them with the Holy Spirit. And the pastor would make the sign of the cross on their forehead and on their heart. It's why our baptismal font, uh, the big banner over it says, Child of God, you have been marked with the cross of Christ forever. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now in 325 AD, Constantine legalized Christianity. Now before long, there were as many Christians as not Christians. Churches were built. They couldn't wait until Easter because there were just too many people that wanted to be baptized. Lent was no longer about getting ready for baptism. It was now just focused on getting ready for Easter. And it became a lot more somber because they started thinking about Jesus' suffering and death. And churches, by the way, they began to compete. Who could suffer the most? Who could give up the most? Who could look the most pitiful? They obviously skipped over the gospel where Jesus said, Whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got to their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people, but only to your heavenly Father. Martin Luther saw baptism as a sacrament, a holy promise of God connected with an earthly element, which in this case happens to be water. And it declares God's power and love, and it brings forgiveness to his people. He said, whenever you wash your face, remember your baptism. It became a daily dying and rising with Christ. And if you were fortunate as you washed your face, maybe if you get up really early, when you finished washing your face, you were able to look out the window and see the sunrise. In the 12th chapter of John, there's this amazing verse. 
It says, then a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there. And they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. Therefore, the chief priests decided to kill Lazarus also. They'd already decided to kill Jesus. Because Lazarus was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them, their church, and believing in Jesus. I love this verse. I can imagine the Pharisees cornering Lazarus, probably picking up a couple of really large rocks so that they could scare him. And finally, one of them speaks and says, you need to reject Jesus. You need to tell him that you did not die and rise from the dead, that it was all a misunderstanding. In fact, it was all just, uh, well, just something that Jesus made up. And by the way, if you don't do that, Lazarus, we are going to kill you. And I can imagine Lazarus looking at them starting to clean his fingernails or, or maybe trying to get the seaweed out of his teeth because he just had lunch and saying, you know, I've been there and done that. I'm not scared of dying anymore. So, so what else do you got? I mean, how do you threaten someone who's not afraid of death? And the answer is you can't. In Lent, we return again and again to the Lord our God who is gracious, merciful, and abounding in steadfast love. Just like it said in Psalm 86 I read a little while ago. Lent allows us to focus on the love of God and the life that God has given us to live. When Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and I want you to live it to the fullest, it was all about living life to the fullest and not being afraid of dying. There really is a big difference between the two because if your whole life is consumed by your fear of growing old and dying, then you're not really living. One of the things I appreciate most about Lent is the truth that it speaks to us. Truth about ourselves, truth about our world, truth about our God, and truth about what comes after we die. I know we like to argue about truth, and, and there are some things that really are a mystery, and, but there are also some things that we can know. Things that God has given to us so that we can be comforted and, and be certain about what comes next. St. John wrote this in the 20th chapter of his gospel. He said, you know, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, um, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Lent is a time to wrestle with the truth about who we are, and, and, and we don't need to punish ourselves because we can never be good enough See, that's the whole point of Lent, to tell us no matter how good or how holy or wonderful we are, it's never going to be enough, but that's okay. It's about God who loves us and calls us as his own. You see, not only don't we have to be afraid of sin, we don't have to be afraid of death because of Jesus. The journey of Lent says this, we are embedded through baptism into Christ himself and into this community of faith and into the church of all times and all places and all ages and all eternity. Our story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection into which we are baptized is the core promise that inspires us. So when we are tempted, God provides strength. In times of grief, he offers us comfort. In dark times, he gives us light. He stirs joy through the gift of a life that we get to live without any fear of what happens next because it's all in the hands of God. Baptism's promise returns in every moment of our life. We are promised God's grace that knows no boundaries or limits that one day he will gather us and take us home. Given everything going on in the world right now, this is really important and Lent really is a gift. 
A gift that allows us to lay our heads down at night and still get some sleep. A gift that allows us to get up in the morning and get done what needs to get done. It's a gift that allows us to see clearly who we are, who God is, and who He would have us be and how He would have us live to make a difference. It doesn't matter what date Easter is on or what time the sun rises. Our sun has already risen, and it continues to rise, declaring that we don't ever need to be afraid of sin or death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you confess your faith with me in the words of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And the greatest prayer of all is the prayer where we say, Father, make those more than just words I speak. Make them words from my heart and soul that I live by. Welcome to our first Sunday of the month, Connection Point, where we share our calendar of events for a new month. We're in March. It's Lent this whole month. First, we want to share with you some weekly opportunities to remember this season. First, for those in their 20s and 30s, our Island 20s and 30s group is meeting on Tuesdays during Lent from 6 to 8 for dinner and devotions. You're welcome to contact me if you'd like more details. Then every Wednesday evening, you're invited to join us here in the sanctuary for midweek worship at 7 p.m. It's a short devotional service with reflections for the middle of the week. Then we also have some special events happening this month. Our first quarter mission project is River of Life Mission. This year, it's our goal to connect each of our quarterly mission projects with a service opportunity. We're looking for four people to join us at River of Life on Wednesday, March 15th from 1230 to 2 p.m. Contact me if you're able to serve. We'd love to have you join us. Our monthly workday will be on March 18th from 8 to noon. And then we'll be having our fifth annual Adopt an Easter Basket event on March 25th from 9 to 11.30. During that time, we'll be assembling at least 100 Easter baskets for our community. Bring an Easter basket or two and a donation of non-perishable food or hygiene items and help us bless families in need this Easter. Lastly, the month will end on the 30th with confirmation class at 6.15 p.m. Thank you for walking with us this season, both online and in person. 
If you'd like more information about any of these events, email aloha at oursaviorhawaii.com. See our website, and we're always happy to add you to our email list as well. Again, that's aloha at oursaviorhawaii.com. Well, flowers this week given by my wife, Nancy, in memory of her mom's birthday, which would have been last week, but also in celebration of some family birthdays. We also give thanks for the birthdays this week, Alyssa, Mike, Babette, Noah Lynn, and Monique, and an anniversary prayer for Michael and Joe Marie. Also in our prayers, a remembrance of our baptism and the promise that God made to us where he said, you are mine forever and ever. We give thanks for our Savior Lutheran School, the faculty, staff, students, and also the families as they get ready to go on spring break in a couple of weeks. Pray for those who are recovering from natural and unnatural disasters. We give thanks for the California, Nevada, Hawaii District Board of Directors that's going to be meeting in Livermore, California this coming week. Pray for wisdom and guidance for them. We uh, pray for Ukraine, Syria, Turkey, and other nations torn apart by war and disaster. And we pray for the ability to be the non-anxious presence in a very anxious world. We pray for those who could use some encouragement and those who need God's healing touch in body, mind, or spirit. Let's pray. Well, gracious God and Heavenly Father, our prayers are just words, but we know that you reach deep into our hearts and minds and souls, and you draw out of us those things which we truly need to pray for, the names, the faces, the lives, the events that have shaken a world, a nation, a country, a state, a community, a family, an individual. Allow us to place all of these things into your hands. Guide and direct us. Father, we really don't expect you to change everything. We do pray that when it is possible, make a difference, change a life, change something that is horrible into something that is tolerable. And when it's not possible, give us an understanding so that we might accept it. Not like it, but accept it. Father, as we look out over a broken world and so many friends and family whose lives are broken, we trust that one day, when we walk into heaven with you, all of this will pass away. All of this will, uh, will go away and we will no longer cry tears. We will no longer worry about the things that cause us to lose sleep. But until that day, we pray for faith and strength and encouragement. We pray for you to walk beside us, never leaving us, that in all things we would know that you are here. Father, we pray for those who need you, no matter what it is that they need. We pray for those who are afflicted in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for those who are estranged from their families and friends. We pray for those who are torn apart by anxiety and mental illness. We pray for those who each and every day wonder if there's something beyond this life. Gather us as your community of faith. Send us out to walk beside them, to love them, to care for them, to hold them. All of this we pray in the powerful and precious name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be and abide with us all. Stay healthy. Love Jesus. Continue to be the community of faith. Go in His peace and serve our Lord in gladness. Amen.